0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, the Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined as I often am by my wonderful colleague and collaborator, Matt Kiernander. Hey, Matt. Hello. I'm joined not only by my wonderful colleague and collaborator, Matt, but also my wonderful colleague and collaborator, Cassidy Williams. Hi, Cassidy. Hello. We're going to be chatting today with Utkarsh, who's a um, heading up engineering at Patreon, a company near and dear to content creators' hearts. So I feel like a lot of us have used it. I give a dollar a month and I get my little receipt, and it makes me feel like I've done some good for the world, for the artists of this world. Akarsh, please welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Ben. I'm really excited uh, to be here today. And thanks for having me. I'm looking to talk all things technology.
0: Yeah. So we always ask people to start out, just just tell us a little bit about how you touched your first line of code. And I know you've worked at some, you know, big name Silicon Valley companies. So walk us through a little bit of your journey and how you landed where you are today.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so I grew up in India. Um, the computers access there started a little bit later than out here in the West. Uh, first brush was, as with many other folks, the uh, computer games and Prince of Persia 2D version and figuring out the cheat codes for those and wondering like how those actually worked. Um, and then getting into some assembly coding to sort of uh, bypass some of the most critical parts where it was really hard to fight the, the vizier. <laughs> um, so that was probably my first brush with programming. And I kept getting more and more fascinated with uh, how powerful computers really were with how with a few lines of code you could achieve what it took. Otherwise, a tremendous amount of labor um, and uh, just that huge enablement angle of software has something mm. that's always excited
0: me. Very cool. And so I know you you made the jump to Silicon Valley. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: So I went to school at Stanford, uh, which was uh, right in the heart of Silicon Valley, uh, working on databases, getting my PhD, working on query optimization. So that was the time when uh, big data was really uh, starting to become a thing. And mm. uh, so ended up going Uh, to some of the big tech names. At that time, it was Yahoo Research working on uh, things like Hadoop that really revolutionized uh, distributed data processing. Because until then, all the databases had been really centralized. Like you put all your data on one machine and you query it. That was the time when data was really breaking out and you would put it on these large clusters of thousands of machines and then try to query them all in parallel. So I had a really fun time there building systems for Uh, data query analysis and that uh, some of that stuff, the system that we built was called PIG and it ended up being used pretty much across the valley at companies uh, like LinkedIn, Netflix, um, and at Twitter. And that was how I got connected with some of the Twitter folks um, and the open source community there. uh, And then ended up going there, wanting to work on something completely different. And I remember chatting with Dick Costolo, who was the CEO at that time. And he was like, Hey, um, what do you want to work on? I'm like, I want to work on something greenfield. It's like, yeah, we haven't really figured out how to make money yet. You want to go figure that out <laughs> for us? I was like, okay, Perfect. I guess we're doing ads, right? All right. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah. So they so started, uh, I was the first engineer on the ads team. And uh, that was a really fun ride, like scaling the business from a zero to a billion dollars in uh, three and a half years or so. Uh, lots of uh, distributed systems problems click prediction, machine learning. We, I think we were the first ones to pioneer native ads uh, in the feed. Uh, we, I think we did it even before uh, Meta did it. Of course, the rest is history with that. Then I ended up uh, going to Google, uh, working on Android communications products. Um, I was really fascinated with how even though social media was obviously uh, a very um, heavy consumer of people's times, but uh, we were seeing a lot of trends around messaging, people wanting to message in smaller groups right, um, right. and went to Google to help uh, really establish uh, Google's efforts around this. And uh, we ended up working on uh, the messages app, which is the default text messaging app on Android, which now has, you know, over 500 million users. And we're trying to. Uh, you know, work with Apple to make sure that we can get like rich messaging across iPhones and and Android. Yeah. And then my latest gig here at Patreon uh, started just a year ago. I was really fascinated with how um, Patreon has a chance to just change how content is produced and consumed on the Internet. Helped creates the ads, uh, ads business uh, in this space. But then uh, the whole like uh, direct uh, payment from subscribers to the creators they follow mm. is a very, very appealing model. Uh, and I wanted to help yeah. create that as well to serve as a good sort of counterbalance. With interesting.
0: <laughs> you helped to uh, yeah, build the business at Twitter. And now you're thinking about moving from advertising to subscribers. And that is all I will say on the matter. <laughs> Apropos of nothing. Very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you.
2: Yeah. That's, that's awesome though. The, the different approaches to Everything that you've taken, it's it's they're very different problems, but uh, i'm I'm sure there's like some interesting overlaps and in, in the actual technical side of things as you figure things out over time.
1: Definitely. A lot of uh, technical problems uh, can repeat across these things just in different contexts. And I think uh, one of the things that I enjoy is taking the overall business context and distilling it down to uh, the engineering problems because th- that business context can help inform the approach you take to some of these problems and what do
3: you prioritize first and how do you go about doing things so what kind of technical challenges have you kind of encountered over your last year and a bit at patreon just because i've i'm familiar with how they work and the features and stuff they provide but in terms of like the actual technical challenges that patreon's facing can you speak a little bit about that
1: so uh, Patreon has been around for eight to nine years now. And it's, uh, and with that amount of uh, tenure comes a uh, fair amount of technical debt. And specifically when Patreon was getting started, uh, a lot of the technologies that we take for granted now uh, were uh, still in their infancy. Uh, something mm. like GraphQL that has now become really popular and is the de facto way you would build an API wasn't really around uh, eight to nine years ago. And and that has led to uh, us being in this uh, sort of batch of companies that got started with some tech, and there's now far better uh, things available a- in the open source. Uh, and, and this applies not just at our API layer, but pretty much all layers of our stack going from like all the way to compute, even at, at the bottom most layer, like We were using EC2, uh, but at this point, most folks go with containers because of the additional flexibility and the quick startup times and all those benefits that containers offer. So so one of our challenges has been like, hey, we have all these technologies that we would want to migrate off of and move to more open source, better alternatives than in-house ones. How do we do that while still maintaining product velocity and uh, continuing to ship value to creators? And just kind of balancing those two considerations has been uh, has been an interesting challenge. And uh, we have an amazing engineering team that's able to help us navigate and how we can incrementally do many of these migrations so that we're not like pausing the world and waiting for these migrations to happen before we ship any additional value. So over the last year, we've been able to ship really meaningful improvements to creators. Like um, just yesterday, we launched Patreon video, uh, which is the ability for creators to host video natively on Patreon. Yeah, really excited about that one. Uh, and we were able to do that while uh, in the background also kind of meaningfully improving our code base uh, moving off of old libraries and technologies onto new ones. Um, so yeah, really proud of how the team has uh, executed on those two competing sort of uh, objectives.
2: I use Patreon both as a creator and as a patron, a backer of people and it is pretty impressive how smooth everything has been like I know that changes happen under the hood just because I've talked with people who've worked there before, but as just a user, you wouldn't know that like massive changes are happening and that this part has been completely rewritten or anything it's it's been really smooth overall so big kudos on that. I appreciate it.
3: I, I can testify to that as well. I think patreon, even even though i'm not i guess a power user of it there's never once where i've been like this is really frustrating i wish it did this it was all it all just seemed to work which I think is quite yeah, rare. Thank you.
1: I uh, mean You're all too kind. Like we we do have issues like everyone else does. <laughs> uh, we have a big bug backlog <laughs> that we've been through. Uh, but yeah, feeling really good about like the rigor we're able to follow in these processes. Like one of the things we do often is what we call feature flags. So any big change mm-hmm. uh, or a migration is put behind a feature flag so that we can keep testing it incrementally, uh, either with um, our internal engineers and support folks, uh, and in some cases, even a small fraction of external users, and then watch the metrics and make sure that uh, nothing is really degrading before we ramp up that feature flag further. So you start at 1%, 20% and so on. And often these changes are invisible to the user. Uh, so they can't tell the difference, but internally we are like making a dramatic, like you know, uh, upgrade to our infrastructure. So, so that way of rolling things out has been, uh, has helped us really uh, prevent any user facing
0: issues. Mm. Interesting.
2: For the feature flags parts, did you roll your own and, and build your own system for that? I know a lot of companies do that. Or do you use a service for it?
1: Uh, yeah. So this goes into that same bucket of like when we started doing this, there weren't that many services around. Uh, now yeah. there are. <laughs> uh, but at this point, we have the service built for internally managing feature flags. Um, it's not the most full feature, but it's sufficient for our purposes right now. Uh, but mm-hmm. as we expand um, and have more and more uh, complicated use cases, uh, we can definitely look into, you know, l- using uh, some external service for it. But for now, we yeah, we just have a library to do it ourselves.
2: Yeah, I think that build or buy conversation is tough, especially when things didn't exist, you didn't have a choice. But now it's much more of a debate like this will save us time and effort, but cost money and, and figuring out that balance there.
3: Yeah. Just having a chat to a few people who've worked at larger companies like Microsoft and Meta, and I guess Stack Overflow is one of them as well as Patreon. They're older products, and as you mentioned, they do have a, a, a lot of uh, legacy behind them. Technology has changed; there are a lot more kind of more convenient and easily accessible open source solutions available now, and that comes with challenges around onboarding engineers and uh, retaining talent to a degree, and making sure that people. Uh, can be productive kind of like early on in the process. Uh, because a lot of these uh, tools and everything else, they're very specific to the company that has built them. So how do you how do you kind of manage that, whether that's the onboarding process, whether that's facilitating growth within the engineers at Patreon? Uh, can you talk to that at all?
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Matt. And ultimately, I'm a huge believer in uh, going with the more off-the-shelf, open-source option whenever possible because of all the advantages that you kind of alluded to, right? Like when people come on board, the last thing they want to do is learn some proprietary sort of software that <laughs> will not be applicable at the right. next job and doesn't really help them grow as an engineer. Um, so we generally we are committed to moving in the direction of being more and more uh, based on open source off the shelf tools but to the extent we have our own proprietary tools right now we have invested in documentation around those so that uh, we can quickly get new developers uh, started and onboarded, um, along with the understanding that, hey, this is not the way we wanna do things uh, going forward. So, So that every engineer onboarding to our team has this at the back of their mind that, hey, yeah, ultimately we plan to move off this technology. And as they are onboarding, as they're getting more familiar with uh, with that proprietary piece of technology, they can also help contribute to what that migration roadmap should look like.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to name names, but Cassidy told a story once about building an app for a streaming TV service. They went and rolled their own language and um, made it difficult to maintain after the person who learned that language left. So open source okay. is the way to
3: go.
2: Yeah, i <laughs> not going to name names there.
3: <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> got those stories of it's always just, I feel like it's always just the one engineer who has a brilliant idea and convinces senior leadership to do something and makes a huge impact and they kind of like peace out. And then everyone else is like, Let's, like uh... Oh
2: no, <laughs> yeah.
1: what do we do? There is, um, there is some value to that though. So it's not all bad. I think uh, if you look back at the history of many of the frameworks, that's how they started because one engineer had a great idea. I was going to say yeah. that,
2: that that's tech history is riddled with that. Yeah, you
1: can't completely <laughs> shut off that line of innovation. Um, hmm. My favorite story on that is um, there used to be a designer uh, sitting right opposite me at the uh, at Twitter and uh, we were building these ads tools and we were writing the same CSS over and over. He's like, I'm just going to build a little uh, toolkit for you guys so that you don't have to like make these really ugly looking web pages and try to style them by hand. And that like, Ended up being the start of this project called Bootstrap, which is I was now gonna say, was one, that one Bootstrap? of the most. Snap! Gosh. That was Bootstrap. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, sometimes you know these things uh, take on life of their own and become really big enablers for the industry. Right. Um, so that's also an important part of the journey. Yeah, I
0: mean, we shouldn't criticize rolling your own new thing if we didn't, there would never be new things for sure. And right. when, they, when they get innovation momentum.
2: has to come from somewhere.
0: Absolutely, but I guess one of the most you know one of the most interesting lessons is when the, people. When companies ro- let folks roll their own internally, they, then you want to open source like a Golang or a React or you know, a Bootstrap and let a community build around it, right? Like that's gonna, what's going to help it survive is creating that kind of ecosystem, not just keeping it siloed inside of one organization. Want to explore the latest tutorials around authentication, download code samples, and access a community of thousands? Then you need to visit the Auth0 by Okta Developer Center. Visit today at developer.authzero.com slash stack.
3: So is there anything on, I'm not sure how in depth you can go on this, but is there anything that people uh, should be extremely excited about in terms of Patreon's roadmap for new features for creators? Because I think it's, we're in a really interesting state now where the economy is kind of, dropping a little bit. And I'm sure everyone's kind of a little bit worried around uh, you know, how to facilitate their continued employment or their, their tenure in the creative industry. And Patreon might be one of those things that helps prop up a lot of people when the ad money dries up or whatever else. So my um,
0: side, my side gig as a yeah. performance artist coming soon. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 So there is lots to be excited about. We are really excited about next year and what we're building for creators and and We think that what we are building has now even more of a place in the world than it had before Uh, with the move to algorithmic feeds where creators are not assured reach uh, to their audience, um, even in a world where they have amassed millions of followers, if they're going to have to like recompete for that reach with every piece of content they put out, it, it doesn't. It's not a very favorable sort of uh, set of conditions to operate in as a creator. Our product vision roadmap is all centered around this idea of like giving creators control and ownership of their own audience. So you come to Patreon, you you can bring over your fan base from wherever that fan base exists today, could be YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, wherever that exists, often in multiple of those places. And you bring that over and that at Pat- on Patreon is where you start building a direct connection to them. And we treat the users as the creators, customers first, and our users later, which is very different from how uh, many of the uh, larger platforms look at their users, which is like, they are those companies' users first, and they just happen to follow the creator. So it's a very different way of looking at things. And in terms of our roadmap, once you have this central notion of direct control and ownership you're building around, a lot of things open up as uh, things that we are interested in doing. Um, and the crux of our roadmap is centered on this idea of content and community. Um, so creators should be able to offer exclusive content to their fans, content that they've created, uh, content that their fans are excited about. Um, and have it uh, be exclusive on Patreon so that you know, it requires some amount of uh, payment, either one time or direct recurring, uh, recurring monthly payments for uh, access to that content. And then community, which is there is often a lot of excitement uh, around creators, fans wanting to just communicate with each other around the creator's content. And and um, we think of it as like the buzz that happens before the release of a new movie where everyone is talking about, oh, what this movie is going to be like. We want to recreate that feel in the creator fan community. And uh, we'll be uh, building things in the product to kind of facilitate that for creators. So, so that's kind of the content community is one of the big crux of our roadmaps. And the other part of this, the other half is... Uh, what we think of as like creator uh, business tools. So as a creator, you're half like a creative person, but the other half is like, you're also a business person trying to run your business, make sure that you're uh, delivering the benefits that you promised to your fans. You're figuring out how to grow your fan base. What are the uh, promotion marketing strategies that are working best for your business? So you can double down there. You need tools to understand that. You need tools to re-engage fans who may be at the risk of churning out um, so there's a lot of like business tools that we can also offer uh, to creators, which um, is something that we'll be focusing on over the next year as well. So um, all in all, yes, it's going to be a super exciting uh, next year here for us where we uh, provide creators with tools to grow and manage their business and also tools to offer content community to their, to their biggest fans.
0: That's very cool. So it's almost like like you've got some Shopify sort of sounds like type tools coming in for people to build their own business on top of these more like creator specific tools. I've certainly seen over the last couple of weeks as the worlds of social media and creator environments are in flux. A lot of people saying, hey, I'm starting a newsletter, please follow me here. Like, you know, I'm, I need to find a new way to like keep in touch. And so uh, the, the issues you mentioned about migration are really interesting. How do you help people migrate their their fans there? Is that a technical thing? Is that uh, more about community focus? How do you do that?
1: Yeah, so uh, we want uh, to provide the tools for creators to be able to uh, promote themselves on these platforms and, and uh, say that you know there's something extra to be had here. Like one of the things we shipped recently was this notion of video previews. So when you host a video natively with Patreon, Uh, we will automatically generate a preview for you um, that you can then post to your socials. And that has a call out built into it to say that, hey, uh, come over to Patreon to see the full version of this video. And that's like pretty frictionless for the creator because they don't have to like come up with copy or come up with new things to say. It's just like a kind of a self always on promotion for their content. Because one of the hurdles we'd seen in the past was creators felt hesitant to go back repeatedly to the fans saying support me on Patreon because that's not really like sort of new information or you're not providing sort of new uh, content to go with mm, that mm. Uh, request. So, right. um, so there are similarly many such tools we can build to make creators really um, feel good about promoting and marketing themselves on, on on social media. And the other part of this is also that they should be really proud of what exists on Patreon for you to promote to the whole world like hey come over to patreon your patreon page should look really nice and it should put your creative work in the best light possible um so we'll be doing a lot of work over the next year also to make your uh make the creator page something that the creators can be really proud of
3: very cool
2: as a in general i do think that i like that there is some customizability of the creator pages and i think any more of that like artists have a field day to be able to customize more and and kind of make it look like something their own and I think there was a time on the internet where like the MySpace days and stuff where everybody was customizing everything and and you could really have your little corner of the internet and then it kind of went very standardized and stuff. And I feel like I see that trend coming back of people wanting to be able to customize more and have a space on the internet. So I'm excited to hear that more of that is coming because I feel like that is definitely where the internet's going.
3: One of the things that I've heard from friends and other creators who are using Patreon uh, as part of their kind of like revenue model is that creating content on Patreon sometimes becomes a second job in itself. Uh, You know, they've got whatever they're doing, whether that's tutorials or any, any, all the creative pursuits that are bringing people into Patreon. And then they've got the time dedicated towards creating Patreon content as well. This is more of a high level question as opposed to an engineering question. But what kind of ways would you kind of suggest to kind of help alleviate that problem of having kind of like all the extra um, headwork and lead room to create Patreon-specific content as opposed to trying to more easily facilitate or automate that process?
1: Right. I think our North Star here is to make it just that it's not an additional job, that it's kind of integrated with your workflow as a creator. So you're thinking of your content creation journey as one distinct thing that spans multiple platforms versus... Uh, This is what I'm creating on YouTube. This is what I'm creating for Patreon. And we've seen that many creators actually uh, do some innovative things here that we can definitely provide better support for in the product. So that's something that we can consider. Uh, So, for example, we see creators do things like uh, time windowing. So actually, this is actually supported already in the product where you can make it such that your content becomes available on Patreon first. And then after X days have elapsed, it becomes more publicly available. Um, and, uh, similarly, uh, you can do like previews, for example, what I, as I was talking about earlier, where you could uh, show a segment of the content, uh, for free, but then the, the fuller version of the content is available, uh, behind the paywall. Um, other things people have tried is around like, uh, you know, the uncut version or the backstage, uh, version of the video is what is available. So, um, I think as we, continue with our journey here. We want to uh, provide support for those journeys in the product so that it feels less like an additional thing you have to do on the side versus just one integrated thing that you do. And it takes care of your socials, your Patreon, and helps you run your business with the least effort possible.
0: Very cool. You, know, you mentioned stop starting to create something internally that filled a need, and then it went on to become Twitter Bootstrap. How did that happen? From realizing that you were feeling a need to realizing that it had momentum, either internally or people were noticing it externally, and then bringing it out to a larger community and seeing it grow on its own.
1: Uh, yeah. So the way the way that worked was just uh, it it ended up first uh, proving very useful internally. So it grew from just within the ads team to uh, you know the rest of uh, the Twitter engineering team, and uh, Twitter engineering also had a dedicated sort of open sourcing uh team which was looking at you know what what internal things could be open source and this was definitely a strong contender given um, how much of a need it filled both internally and externally in the world um so that's uh, that's how i it went on to become one of the open source projects but twitter has a has a rich array of them but this is probably the most popular one
0: very cool All right, everybody, it is that time of the show. I can't believe this is a question, but here we go. Andy was awarded a lifeboat only 13 hours ago, helped to save a question from the dustbin of security, get it a good answer with a positive score. Please give me a list of all tags used on Stack Overflow. I I don't believe Andy has answered this question, but apparently he's answered it. And um, good for you, Andy. Enjoy your badge. There you go. There you go. (laughs) He's a completist. They're a completist. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We always appreciate it. It's great to have folks on who have worked at so many companies, have so much experience to share and have helped to create things that want to be big open source projects that so many people can avail themselves of. I'm Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me at Ben Popper on Twitter, as long as that site exists, I guess. And then uh, you can email us, podcast at Stack Overflow with questions or suggestions. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps.
2: I'm Cassidy Williams. I'm the CTO over at Contenda. You can find me at Cassidoo, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. Find me on Patreon. It's Cassidoo there, too.
3: And I'm Matt Kenanda. I'm a developer advocate here at Stack Overflow. Uh, you can find me online at Matt on YouTube and Twitter. And if you want to fund our $8 uh, check marks on Twitter, then uh, go check out. Uh, no, we don't have a Patreon page for that. That's That was a joke, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's us. <laughs> All right. This
1: is Utkarsh. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at at Utkarsh, U-T-K-A-R-S-H. It was a joy to be here and uh, it was great talking to you. All
0: right, everybody. Thanks again for listening and we will talk to you soon.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.